ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 30 questions, a show where we ask 30 questions about each episode on Disney+. Plus. I'm your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, he's finally glad he can wear his goggles in public. Sweet Sean Zakovacs from the internet. I don't look like an idiot anymore. <laughs> and our own little murderous automaton, Bruce Leslie. Ahoy, mates. Oh, we are back, everybody. It is the last episode of the season. Oh, everybody shed a little bit of a tear. But here we go. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 6, entitled One World, One People. Uh, Let's get it started with this one. Can you believe that they not only did Sam's Cap costume as close as it can be to the comics, but you can but you can get that they didn't even do it with any crazy buildup. Just bam, he's there, he's getting it done and fighting. How cool was that? I think it was cool, but I wasn't trained to expect that. It it was a little jarring because I'm used to you have to wait for the reveal. Yeah, I was glad for that. And you know, they do give him the superhero entrance, which is perfect. And uh, one of the things that this show does fairly well is the expectations of the way that superhero shows usually go like movies and TV shows. They kind of, they don't subvert it. They just change the way that they're giving you information. Mm -hmm. And I do like that about this show. I, I, but you know, you guys know I'm so in the bag for this show already. I, I just, I just love this show so much. I just learned this week too, that they have the timeline for this show is like, uh, is like the fast and the furious movies where it's like, <laughs> where are we now? Oh no. It's hot yeah, dead. <laughs> cause you learn, cause I learned this week, this is eight months after the events of Endgame. That sounds about right. Yeah. And so this takes place after the last Spider-Man movie and WandaVision, but not by much. WandaVision takes place before the last Spider-Man movie. This takes place two months after the last Spider-Man movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked that they didn't have any kind of buildup to this. The last we saw, he opened up the case all Pulp Fiction style. We had no clue what was in it. We all had a decent enough idea. But, man, to see him bust through and be in that just pretty close to comic accurate costume and everything, boy, it just it filled me with a lot of joy. Man, I wouldn't say close to comic accurate. I mean, it it's was about as dead on as you can get. Yeah. Yeah, it's because it's a relatively recent comic book creation. It doesn't look ridiculous when it's literally <laughs> translated to the screen. I think it might be one of the most accurate translations I've ever seen. Bruce, you would know this more than Adam or I, but are they starting to make costumes more so that they can make put it on the big screen later? I it's, think so. Yeah, it sure seems that way to me. And I don't even know that it's an intentional thing, but it's like as people, you know, used to, you get used to what you see in the comics and then you see how the movie adapts it. But I think more people are being influenced by the movies first, including comic artists. So I don't even know if they're intentionally saying we want to design something that'll look good on screen. That's just what their default is. Remember when they made Bullseye look like the terrible Bullseye from the Ben Affleck movie? <laughs> that was awesome. I like the idea that Edith Head is walking around uh, Marvel just going, tone it down. I gotta, we got to make these for real. Yeah. Question two, Bruce. Was Bucky going to try to catch that truck? 
I really wish that they would have just let that go because I wanted to see something really cool. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's just him under the truck catching it with the robot arm because I mean, you know, he'd, he'd get smushed. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's a robot arm or not. So I was thinking that he was going to have to do something else to try to save the truck, but you know, that's not what it ended up happening. Ultimately, it, it looked like, yeah, because that was the exact thought that I had with that, Bruce. By the time he's on the ground and everything, I'm just like, OK, I believe in a lot of superhero mumbo jumbo that but that man, even though he's got super soldier serum and a Wakandan, you know, crazy arm and everything, he ain't stopping that truck and saving those yeah. people. He's going to just die. I'm like, and maybe that's the way he goes is he's just going like, <laughs> yo, I'm going to try to like, even if I can give it just a momentary lapse of, of, of you know, that little give before it hits the ground, I'll, I can, you know, I'll die happy or something like that. In service. It's a way better obituary than died quietly in his sleep. You know, he, he died trying to yeah. catch an armored car filled with hostages. Single-handedly. Cause that's, cause he ain't putting the other one up there. That's going to get broken. <laughs> I mean, I can remember one time years ago, I actually watched a guy try to balance a styrofoam cup full of coffee on the tip of a pen. And of course it spilled all over the table. I just had to ask him once he was done, like, was there a version of this in your head where it ended any other way? Cause I don't know what Bucky <laughs> thinks he's going to do. That. I thought it ended, I thought it ended up with me getting a, a stint at the Mirage for a long time, but apparently not. <laughs> Is the person who tried doing that you Bruce? And were you talking to yourself when you asked that question? <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> The Falcon cap suit is amazing, as we've said earlier, except for the boots. <laughs> the boots are ridiculous. And I've heard things, you know, when I'm watching other things and, and hearing other people's reactions to this, there are people who don't like the cap suit, the new cap suit. And I think it's all because of the boots. But what do you guys think? I never noticed the books. I'm the boots. I'm looking it up right now. I I think I, I understand that. <laughs> I certainly understand that, but, um, and that's why I think this costume will get like just, just slight little tweaks based yes. upon what we've kind of seen. They'll just kind of, yes. they'll go, okay, we're going to keep most of this, but like, like Marvel does in the majority of their films at this point, you're going to get a slight costume, uh, change in one way, shape or form yeah. per, per each movie. Yeah. And I, and and Is don't there get like me, a Velcro strap on those things? I'm looking yes, at the picture now. Oh my! Yes, it's ridiculous. They're really bad, and they're and they're too clunky, and they're kind of ridiculous looking. The uh, you know, my favorite cap suit is uh, is uh, Winter Soldier cap. I, I love that that cap suit. But number two is Falcon, and if they change the boots. You know, his his version of the capsuit will be the best one. It's very, very cool looking live. Yeah, uh, just just great looking colors and everything. I love the contrast. Um, it it screams Captain America, but not at the same time, which is interesting because it feels like it's own his own thing. You know, as opposed to just like ripping off Steve, like when we saw, you know, uh, what's his nose there as the new cap and everything. Uh, you see that, and it's just like, well, yeah, it's just kind of ripping off what, what Steve did. At least here, it's it's different, it's unique, it's interesting, it's unique to him, and I don't know. It, to me, it really works. But again, it, that, that all comes from uh, they did a great job in the comic, and they had the nerve to go, yeah, we're doing it in real life too. 
You know, one of the things that makes it work so well is that it's very bold. And again, I believe all of this comes from Thor Ragnarok. You know, after Thor Ragnarok, Marvel was like, we're going to do whatever we want to do with these costumes at this point. And I prefer it. Uh, you know, give me this over X-Men 2000. You know, I, I love, love, love these costumes. I love that they're they're really taking chances. Because they're taking all these chances on these costumes means we're going to get some ridiculous crap that is going to be hilarious. Yeah, it could end up good. It could end up bad, but it's, it's going to some of way. it's going to be really bad, and it's going to be great. Let's jump on to question number four here. Uh, whose goggles are better, Sam's or A Train's? Here's the deal, right? So the the actor who plays A Train, his eyes aren't as wide set mm-hmm. as 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 Anthony Mackie's eyes are. So when he puts goggles on, the goggles look perfect. The problem, the problem with Anthony Mackie is that his eyes are set wider apart than a normal person's are, and not by much, just by a little bit. Sometimes but, a little bit can make all the all the difference in the world when you're looking at people. Mm-hmm. And it's that is excellent for binocular vision. So that's why he's so good flying around. That's why he's so great at it. But the when you put goggles on those eyes, it accentuates that the eyes are a little further apart than most people's eyes are. And it can look weird at times, but I still think it's awesome. I'll tell you this, though. I like I like eyes that are at least a slightly far apart as opposed to slightly closer together than usual. Because hmm. there's some people, you ever meet, meet the people that have like the really close, like close eyes, they look good in profile, but once they start to look at you, it's like somebody folded up a Mad Magazine wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I know, know a couple of those people. I think it's about the function. I think Sam's goggles have more functionality than a Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think I like Sam's better. And I there think, you go. And you can see his eyes a lot better, too, which I think really lends to that. And I think that I'm glad that they nailed that because, to me, that's a very important part of this. We need to be able to see the eyes because, you know, the old eyes are the window to the soul kind of thing. It is very true. You connect with somebody by looking at their eyes. And a lot of times, if you're wearing goggles or something, it can shade that. And then, you know, we don't get that connection like we do. But when he's talking to you know all the the political people there and stuff you can see right in his eyes you you can you know every emotion that's going through him because you can see so well and i'm going to just make a wild wild guess here but i bet production spent more on sam's goggles than they did on a trains <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put a good bet on that one <laughs> like a trains may have been some off the rack sunglasses that they just added a little bit too these are totally just oakley's all right <laughs> number five do you find yourself wondering why that perfectly lovely and well-adjusted lady is married to John Walker? Why did Courtney Cox marry David Arquette? Yeah, sometimes like you, you like a little crazy in your life, I suppose. <laughs> you know what? Maybe so. But she she never <laughs> stops to just go like, honey, are you taking this a little bit too to heart? What's what's going on here? It's like At the same time, too, I kind of want to be like, shouldn't you be jumping in and saying a little bit more than just like, well, John's John. And don't you also think that that lady, I I get why John Walker would look past all of Val's stuff, you know, being shady and there's clearly something evil behind that woman. (laughs) Yeah. But he just wants to keep going and he wants to be in the business. Why the wife isn't like, 
Hey, there's something really shady about this lady. I don't understand that part. I'll be honest. I, you know, I could get you a job at my dad's hardware store. Why don't we just slow down a little bit? Exactly. She's she. I feels like she's always just like, well, I can't, I can't be, you know, I can't say anything that might upset the people that he works with. So whatever they say, I'm just gonna kind of go along with it because I'm not going to work. He's gonna, he's bringing home the paycheck here. <laughs> so oh gosh, I got your default. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the only thing I can think of is just like, listen, uh, this is a pretty good gravy train I'm on right now. So I'm gonna be like, well, whatever's going on, John. You as long as that. <laughs> Check clears at the end of the month. Who cares? I don't know. It comes with good benefits. They have dental. Oh, a lot of good dental over there. That's I would take that. Question six. Question six. How mad do you think Red Skull is going to be if he ever comes back now that Captain America is a black guy? <laughs> He's like Rita from Power Rangers. Ah, after 10,000 years, I'm finally free. Wait a minute. This is what now? <laughs> Huh? No, you're, you're kidding me, right? Listen, I know I've been gone for a while, guys, but you don't got to be joshing me with these kinds of jokes. What's going on here? Who's the, For real, who's Captain America now? Really? Well, how about that? <laughs> the first thing Red Skull says is, well, he's not my Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't vote for him. I, I like the idea that... Uh, because Red Skull's been in like whatever this neither verse or something that he's kind of in in the the last Avengers movies and stuff, I like to think that he comes back and he's just like, listen, I'm still evil, I'm still crazy, but I've been in this neither realm for like a really long time, and I've come across a lot of people, and then you know, uh, it's part of my uh, that's that's nothing compared to what I've seen. I keep hearing good things about this show, Becker. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the first thing he seeks out when he comes back to Earth is Becker. I need more Becker in my life, please. Number seven. When Sam threw the shield to break the window and then flies down to catch it midair, I couldn't wipe the big dumb smile off my face. What in this show has fueled your enjoyment of it most? The two leads. They're just so great. I I, I love them to death. I think that they are perfect in these roles. I don't think you could cast anyone better for it. And I barely knew who these guys were before. And I definitely didn't know who Sebastian Stan was before the, before he became winter soldier. I had no idea. And so it's just so fun watching these two guys do their job, but even more so when they're around each other, these two guys are two guys who really, you can tell enjoy each other's time. And it is so fun to be a part of it. it. It's what fuels the show for me. It's just so fun and it's intangible. And it, it's something that you you don't get with every, with every property like this. It's just so fun to watch. I think for me, I've liked the witty one-liners. Most of them have been delivered by Anthony Mackie, but then there's also been, you know, some back and forth between them and, and a few from Bucky too, but you know, like I can't run in these hills. Why didn't you use your robot arm? Because I'm right-handed, you know, just all That's the little stuff. That's what they do stuff. in all action movies. <laughs> like the, yeah, like the moment where he says, he's just going to do that head tilt, that crazy head tilt thing he does. And then Zemo immediately straightens up his head because he realizes he is indeed <laughs> doing the head tilt. Like the, the little moments, you know, putting the comedy back in action comedy works for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I like I like these guys. I like everything, and I think you're right, Sean. It's kind of that little weird it factor that the show has, and these guys bring that thing in there that if you had anyone else in these roles, it would it would probably be a much lesser property for sure. 
Question eight, Bruce. I like the U.S. agent suit because it looks just like the original one from the comics. But do you guys think they should have jumped to the later one that was a total Judge Dredd ripoff? Man, that 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 costume is so crap. It's such <laughs> crap. So why do you think Bruce likes it? <laughs> you know, I mean, they've made a lot of mistakes with a lot of characters over the years. That is that is a very bad costume. I always think of Cap's robot suit when he didn't have the yeah. super serum in him anymore. Like. It's just, it's, there's been a lot of bad ideas. I'm very glad that he doesn't look like, like stupid judge dread knockoff. The the hologram shield is still pretty bad. Oh my God. So bad. It's like, why, why, why is that what you thought was a good idea? I mean, like, I know it was the nineties and that's just kind of what we did, but still. Remember for, for a brief moment in time, they made Frank Castle an African-American Oh, yes. 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 Oh, my Lord. And this an is, angel. They made him an angel at one And point. an angel. Yeah. 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 Just terrible, terrible ideas. That Punisher guy gets around. <laughs> Sean, question nine. Nine. This is a question that I've been struggling with since the second episode. I don't think there is a clear, good answer to it, but would like to hear someone else's thoughts. Here's the question. Clearly, the super soldier serum has pushed John Walker over the edge. Is it our right to feel bad for him? That's from Peter. Not so bad looking. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's the toughest part of this show is is because there there's a couple of characters that have that kind of uh, you know in and out morale sort of stuff, and uh, he's certainly one there. And I'll be interested to go back at, at a later date and kind of watch through this and really specifically watch his arc and everything. But yeah, it, it is one of those things that is a head scratcher because sometimes you're like, I could see him being good. And other times you're like, oh, no, that guy's a scumbag. It is back and forth. Well, that's exactly the question that's been around John Walker in the comics for like 35, 36 years, something like that. So I, I think they've done a good job of translating that to the to the screen. But he's got a good heart and a broken mind. And like I said before, he he has a good heart but he doesn't know what to do. He wants to do what's right, but he doesn't know what's right. So he needs someone to point him in a direction and tell him what to do, which means he gets pointed in some weird directions sometimes. And we had somebody write in a few weeks ago and say, you know, the, the Marvel universe is, uh, is about to get a lot more gray. Yeah. And I think that that makes for way more interesting stories. And, And they only like, uh, really just sort of glazed over it a little bit on the show. I mean, there's enough there to know that this aspect to his character exists, but rather than even saying the super soldier serum pushed him over the edge, I think him being pushed over the edge is why he used the super soldier serum when he had the chance. I think this is a a study in PTSD uh, that's going on with him. He, He apparently was a war hero, but he's not the same person he used to be. This is a very real thing that very real people deal with. So uh, I think it's absolutely all right to feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can always like you can always feel bad for a villain hoping that they'll they'll do better. Uh and, and it's also kind of nice not to, to to have villains that aren't super mustache twirly all the time that you might kind of go, well, maybe he might be okay or like or you can or like with Magneto, you can understand some of the things that he says, but other aspects of it's like, "Oh, that's a bit far." And I I think that makes for the most interesting types of characters. I'd like to see him get to like the superhero equivalent of uh, the acting career of Christian Slater. You know, he says, you know what? I have to admit, I did some really terrible, awful, 
things in my personal life. And now I've come to terms with it and I don't do that anymore. And I just need to be happy to be in this uh, Netflix kid superhero movie. Like, I'm just glad I can work. Don't talk about hard rain like that. Eventually get to that point. Yeah. (laughs) Number 10 uh, of the people who fly in helicopters as passengers. What do you think the odds are that one of them can actually pilot a helicopter? This is a fantastic question, Adam, because for the most part, if you can fly a helicopter, you're flying the helicopter yourself. So this is a great question. I am going to say 1% of the human population ride as passengers with the exception of when somebody is done with a job and they have to be brought back. I think you need those people to get to 1%. Oh, I see. Cause I, I, you know, maybe call me, call me naive. Hello, naive. But I guarantee you that the first hundred people that I meet anywhere have never taken lessons in how to fly a helicopter. I'll go so far but, as to say your average hundred people have not even ridden a helicopter. I certainly haven't. I think the only way I'm riding in a helicopter is uh, the result of an unfortunate automobile accident. Yeah, exactly. Or something. something like, if I'm in a helicopter, chances are something bad's happened. <laughs> When I was younger, I, I would go up in helicopters uh, more than most people would. <laughs> but I got uh, too big. I cannot. I am too tall for, for a helicopter. For the ones outside the garbage or the uh, grocery store. I, <laughs> I am too. I am too tall. I, it, it is an uncomfortable ride now for me. There was now, a, a thing I was doing where they brought in like some, I don't know if it was an Apache helicopter, but it was some sort of, you know, fancy helicopter, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shooting video for it, and they were like, you want to sit in it? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to sit in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I barely got in, because you're right, it is, especially if you have this singular cockpit kind of thing, they are even smaller than a regular helicopter. It is just like, bink, oh boy, I don't know how I got out of that thing, much less in it. But uh, it was fun. But And yeah, he, he did have like uh he had Red Wing check the person's credentials, right? Yeah. Like he didn't just take her word for it. Because I remember one time I was volunteering to build some houses after a hurricane down outside Miami. And there was a guy just walking down the sidewalk where we were working. And he pointed at me and said, can you drive a backhoe? What? And for a brief moment, I wondered, if I say yes, will there be a second question? Or will I be learning how to drive a backhoe? Because there's a part of me that just wanted to give it a shot. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Was I, I, was I feel a lot of, like, horrible accidents start with that exact same uh, thought process. of just like, well, how hard could it be to drive a backhoe? And grandma's dead. Because we, we all know that there's there are people out there that would say, yes, they can fly a helicopter. And we would later find out, no, they definitely cannot fly a helicopter. But it's too late at that point. I'll tell you what. I hope this lady had, like, she had to have had some pretty long hours in helicopter to get herself out of the spin that that thing was in. From what I know about helicopter, and that ain't, that ain't simple, what she had to do. Because that sucker was in this wild tailspin. So to be able to correct that on the fly after you've jumped from the back seat to the front seat, that's a heck of an ordeal i don't care who you are or she jumps back there and goes wait i was used to the uh, european alignment this is a north american alignment ah <laughs> next thing you know you're flying upside down let's go to question 11 bruce can we pour a little bit of our drinks out for batrock because nobody will ever leap like that again oh batrock i love you so much batrock i i i thought that i couldn't love that character more and then there he was in winter soldier and he shows up here in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Just, just terrific. Yeah, 
I feel like he could. He like he got shot, but I don't know that we know that he's dead. Dead? Do we? Oh, he dead. I want to see the funeral scene where he's dressed in a comic book accurate <laughs> costume to be buried in the it, purple, the purple yes. and yellow. <laughs> where somebody just goes like that is the uh, that's the dressing of, of his ancestors and everything and that's what they require <laughs> that you wear at a funeral in order to be proper if you're not doing that you're disrespecting the family and his religion it's just it, it, he's such a cool character and he was so so well cast yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that character very much I say it's comic books we can always come back <laughs> sure of course question 12. Are you hoping that we end up finding out that Sharon Carter doles out information and power like Willy Wonka? <laughs> Maybe it's a musical episode. Sure, man. It, it it would fit in if they did another season of WandaVision perfectly. Who can take a missile? Shove it up your ass. <laughs> I think I'd watch that all day long. Uh, I, I bet the golden ticket makes the serum taste terrible. <laughs> yes, we've put we've put a dose of super zero zero serum in every chocolate bar, one in uh, you know a million chocolate bars or some such nonsense. I just want to see the MCU Oompa Loompas. Oh man! Well, we have Puck. We could count him. You know, Peter Dinklage. Paint him orange. Work. Call him an Oompa Loompa. Why hmm? not? Uh, number thirteen. Did Bucky's storyline about making amends do it for you? I think that this is the first time I felt this from Marvel television where, Oh, you know what? You could use it another episode here. Uh, it's the first time I felt that way because there's a lot of storylines that just wrap up real quick. You know, it started with last week's episode with Zemo, but I think that, you know, you have to show more than Bucky just going back to that one guy it's it's really cool the way that they ended it. I liked him handing off his book to the therapist with all the names crossed out. I thought that was great. I think him him coming to coming clean with that old Asian man, that's awesome too. But I would have liked to have seen more uh, of that and and more of of basically everything instead of having this Lord of the Rings like <laughs> ending after ending after ending. Don't get me wrong. I still love the show. I think it's a major missed opportunity because just imagine it, guys. My name is Bucky. It's like my name is mm-hmm. Earl, only with Bucky. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Yes. You I, can go, what, what, that went on about five seasons. You yeah. can do a long time getting those names off your list, Bucky. I like that. That's a, that's a fun idea. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's fine enough. But for me, especially with, with the old Asian guy, it, it just seemed like he's like, yeah. I killed your son. There's they they kind of made me do it. Not much I could do there. And then they cut to outside the door, and all I can think of is like, what happened in the interim? Did he just kind of go, yeah, killed your son? Well, I got to be going. Are we gonna have uh, lunch together? Or is that no good from now on? On account of I killed your son. All right, we'll see you. Let's go drink. Yeah, and then just kind of shut the door, and then that was it. I was I, I felt like there could have been some sort of more cathartic moment in there, but it it, it, it didn't really happen. Well, not only that, you know, it needs more character, more character opportunity instead of what happens. You know, it, his character development happens basically off screen with the way that they've done it. And I, I personally think that it could have used more, but I could be around Bucky and 
and Sam all day. I mean, I, I just love the character so much. So I understand that they can't do that when you have, you know, like 10 minutes left of your show. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you look at that clock and you're just like, Oh, we're going to have to wrap up all this real quick. Aren't we? Boop, boop, mm. boop, 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 done. Number 14. Are you glad we got to see what Zemo's Butler was up to? So we didn't spend all off season thinking, I wonder what Zemo's Butler is up to, man, that poor old man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> did he have to actually crawl under the vehicle to do that? To put the to put the explosives <laughs> what in I, there. You're right. They did need another episode. I need to see that. <laughs> that poor old man. Let that man retire, for God's sake, Zemo. I was, uh, the first time, the 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 first moment, like the it pans up and you see his face there, and I'm like, my first reaction, who the hell is that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it threw me so off. I'm just like, am I supposed to know who this is? Just some old, we just pan up and it's just some old codger sitting behind the seat of a car. What the hell is I, this? I have to, I have to admit, I got at least one text from an acquaintance that said, who is that old man that blew up? See, that thing? it ain't just me. I'm telling you, I had that reaction. I was just like, what's going on now? Oh, okay. I, I got it. But it took me a minute to put it together because I was Why like, did Grand Moff Tarkin make an appearance in this show? <laughs> it, it was uh, Alfred Zemoworth. I wish he would have just like gave a thumbs up or something. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> just to be like mission accomplished to the camera. Nobody in particular, just kind of like a, yeah. 15, Sean. Number 15, the Isaiah stuff in this show was really effective, which means some people are going to have a problem with it. Do you care? I, I don't care what other people think, but I, I don't care what other people think about the majority of stuff. But to me, anybody I feel that would have, you know, like any kind of problem with that is, I, to me, it, it's not as preachy and crazy as it could be. There are a lot of shows out there that will hit you over the head with stuff. This was, here's the message, here it is well enough, and it doesn't feel like they belabor the point or just stick on it way too long or hammer you over the head with it. It does good comic book style stuff going, here's the facts, here are the things, here's the emotional attachment to it. You feel it coming from those characters. It feels genuine, and especially given the story that we've, that we've seen, it really, especially there at the end where they're going through the museum and, and all that kind of good stuff, boy, does it lay it out really well. And just, I mean, because he got, Isaiah got a great character arc to finally see, yeah. you know, his name recognized and everything. And that was something I was like, I was afraid that we were going to kind of leave that one in the breeze as well. But they ended it so well and, and did right by the character and right by, you know, if and this was real life, right by what went on. And I, I like that. I, I felt like it went a little too easy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I just maybe would have liked it if there's still, uh, I'm trying to think the right way to, to put it. Like there's still, the government is still ignoring that Isaiah existed. And of course you got Sam being an advocate on his behalf, but Sam says, okay, I may be carrying the shield now, but everything's not fixed. We still yeah. got some work to do. I think I would have liked a little bit of like, we still got some work to do. I agree. I think that's all implied, that. though. I mean, at least at least from his interactions with with the government guys and everything, I, I felt like that was kind of at least touched upon enough there to where saying it again would almost feel redundant. And uh, I kind of would have liked it when he interacted with the government people. If they'd have said, you know what, you did a great job. We're really proud of you. Now, when are we going to get that shield back? Like, <laughs> I would have liked to have had a little of that there too. That like he's still 
doing this in defiance of the government people and not with their blessing. Yeah, it would have been nice to have like just a little bit of Tabasco on that for sure. Yeah, but I think I think that they're probably going to use that as I, I think these guys are playing, you know, playing 3D chess over here. I think they realize, oh, maybe we can use this in some way because these are conniving people. We've seen that with what they've done throughout this, you know, this series and everything. I, I feel like they and, and especially like most things. Until you see something happen like right in front of you, you don't judge it like you know you might should sometimes. But mm-hmm. like they were there, they were in a thing where they they themselves were in specific immediate danger, and this is a, a person that helped them. So if in they're still kind of you know have their evil ways and everything, they probably go, we're gonna let him have this, and we might be able to secure circuitously, uh, you know, plop in some of the other you know not so hot stuff that we normally do around here. Number sixteen. Uh, how did how did the line Nah, man, that's Captain America hit you? I love all of that stuff, man. You know, my favorite part of Spider Man Two, the Raimi Spider Man movies, is when is when they fight back for Spider Man when the normal people yes. do that. Yes, and, and that's what this felt like to me. Is like like nor when like Normie on the street, like Nah, man, that's that's Captain America now. Like I love stuff like that, and this is one of those moments. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, uh, and, and you know, even though it it hit me well, I don't think how it hits me is what matters as much on that. Oh, either. right. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, three middle aged white guys. It's not for us. I, but it's I still, can't it's judge awesome. for other people, but I judge for myself. But but yeah. for me, man, I, like it just it made my heart swell. I loved yeah. it so much because and Marvel has done such a fantastic job. Uh, keeping with Anthony Mackie from Winter Soldier going up to this point, we have seen the arc of this character. And like I said in previous episodes, the number one thing that you can always find with Sam, just like you could find with Steve, was he was a good man. Yeah, He was just a good man who always did what he believed to be right. And seeing other people see that and then just go like, we know who Captain America is, You know, we've had all that kind of stuff. No, this guy's Captain America. And to have the other guy just kind of go, hey, it's Black Falcon. No, no, no. That's Captain America. And it's just, and you felt it. And you as a viewer at the same time, too, when you see all these heroic things that Sam's doing, you're like, yeah, he is Captain America. He's doing exactly, you know, obviously differently, but he's doing the same spirit of what Steve would have done. I.e., he really is, you know, the Plus, best mantle for Captain America. Y- you know, for the for years, every time you see Tucker Carlson on TV, he's still going to be calling him Black Falcon and refuse to call him Captain America. So that of makes course. it fun, too. <laughs> you know, and one of the things, though, that I'm very interested in seeing is that now that now that, that Sam is Captain America, you know, the thing about Steve being Captain America is that each movie is about Steve finding his place in the world, right? And so what that means is that in the first one, it means him bucking against the against the army and basically walking away from the army so he can do what's right. Yeah. The second one is him tearing down the organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he knows what's right. The third movie is him tearing down the Avengers because he knows yeah. what's right. And so now that you have that as the as basically the template for look, a good man sometimes has to tear stuff down in order to make things right. I wonder if that's where they're going with the new captain America is because that is what makes those, those movies to me, in my opinion, the most interesting of all of the Marvel movies is that 
it is so part of like of, of the the DNA of all these Marvel movies was always set on the Captain America movies, uh, it, more so even than the Iron Man movies. And so I'm wondering what that's going to look like now that we know that there's probably going to be a Captain America four. And now we've got Sam as Captain America. Are they going that same way or are they going a completely different route with it? I, I think we see that even encapsulated in this episode that, that Sam is going to protect people, even if they're people he doesn't like or agree mm-hmm. with. Sam is going to do what's right, even if it's not what's best for him. I mean, we're, we're seeing that already just in this 50 uh, something minute episode. So yeah, I, I'd asked that question a couple of weeks back. Like, I hadn't realized it until now, but he is the one that, that lines up closest with what Steve Rogers stood for of any of the other heroes. So yeah, I, I think they're going to keep that going. And think about future Avengers movies. At this point, can I can so easily see him leading the Avengers. Oh. I really can. So easily. He's, he's clearly going to lead the Avengers. Originally, I would have thought that it would have been Black Panther. But now that we know that's not going to happen, there's I, I, there's almost no doubt in my mind it's going to be Sam who leads the Avengers. And yeah, but it, it, your, your eyes just always drawn to him. You're always kind of captivated by everything that he says because he's just he's such a presence in everything. And he's really embodied this character so well that it, it's really become one of my favorites. If we're actually getting an, another Avengers at some point, which I can't imagine that this first run is going to have the Avengers in it. it it'll be I, it'll be a hot minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like running down all the characters that are still on the board, all the pieces that are still on the board. And then the only people that would even potentially have seniority around them that are still alive uh, would be Hawkeye and War Machine. And neither of them are necessarily the leader type. So, yeah, it makes sense. Or, or yeah. even like Thor. Thor's not like he's not somebody that's going to jump to the head of the class. Is, no. Is, is Thor still on the board? Like, I didn't even know exactly. I think where so. Well, he's, he's going to be in space, right? I mean, he'll be yeah. in space for a while here. <laughs> it would be pretty fun if uh, Star-Lord just showed up and thought he was in charge. <laughs> but now, I mean, now that you mention it, I guess I never really kind of thought about it. But like, yeah. Because they're what passing if we... the hammer to Jane Foster as Thor. So, you know, like they did in the comics for a while. So I don't even know if if Thor, as we know him, is still on the board. I Well, okay. I'll put it to you this way. I, I don't know that that's going to last too awful long because Natalie Portman is still Natalie Portman. Yeah. And I, I just can't see her going on. Like it was, I, my guess was it was probably a little bit of a struggle to get her back for this one. Uh, but they've done it, but I don't know how long she's going to be on that board. Cause I just don't know that this is like super her jam. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe. I would, I would tell you that having Taika behind the wheel, is, <laughs> it sure does soothe, soothe them aching wounds. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. If you were in like, you know, they're like, "Hey, we want to do another Dark World." You'd be like, "You know what? I think I'm good." <laughs> but if Latini number seventeen, in, like, yeah. in the interest of time, I'll move us along. If you're Sharon Carter, do you really make that phone call while you're still on the steps of the Capitol building, or do you wait at least until you get into your car? Oh, so stupid! So so stupid! I get, I get, I get what they're doing. I get that you know, wow, that's a really amazing shot that she's on her phone just outside of the Capitol. I totally understand why you do it the way you do it, but so dumb, so so very very dumb. You know, when we're at work, we have a don't talk about work at work policy, yeah. and it's a great policy. Why is Sharon Carter talking about work at work? 
I, I like I like the uh, the cojones that it takes on somebody like that to just be like, I'm gonna make this call in not even in the parking lot, but like just after the steps. I'm still on the sidewalk. Technically, I'm still on their property, but I'm not only gonna make this call. I'm not making it via Bluetooth, and I'm doing it loud enough to where anybody with an earshot can hear. <laughs> I like the kind of guts that it takes, and and I like to imagine that she's leaving a voicemail. She's not even talking to anybody. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you just heard uh, at the t- at the tone? The time will be eleven fifty three. That could have been a text, Sharon. That didn't have to be a voicemail. That I have to figure out how to check my voicemail. Hi, this is Sharon Carter. I'm the power broker, and now I'm a trader. Bye. <laughs> Hey, you're, you're a government facility. Y'all don't have any like monitoring things outside or nothing like that, do you? I wouldn't think so. Eighteen. There's no falcon at the end of the season. Do we need one? I feel like we're going to get one. Do we need one? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that may be, I think that's the most uh, accurate statement there, Bruce. We may get one, but, because uh, Torres there, uh, Torres rather, gets, uh, he gets Falcon in the comics, yeah? yeah? Yes, and he walked away with the broken wings. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sure, why not? And but there's it, still the chance he could get bitten by that were vampire Falcon thing. Oh, uh, well, my, I don't know. At least with with the actor that we've just gotten, um, I might need to see more from for him before I get excited for him as uh, as Falcon. You know, this is one of the things. The thing that made Marvel so successful, they're probably going to have to stop doing so often, which is every movie, every new series that we get, we're introduced to new new superhero characters. And if you keep doing that and you're just giving more and more and more of this, it's going to be a glut and people aren't going to care. And as we are right now, I don't need to see a new Falcon, but we're going to get it. It's just a matter of time. I just hope, you know, we we clear the decks for for some new people if we're going to do that. I think the biggest thing is you you need to have something to bring to the party. If you can tell me what he's bringing to the party is well worth the price of admission, I'm all for it. I would like them to introduce him as the guy who really wants to be part of the crew, but he just can't hang. Like, if you remember the guy in the Fast and Furious that drove the white Jetta that fell out of school because all he was good at was math and science and computer programming and none of the <laughs> other stuff, I'd like, to see, I'd like to see Falcon kind of be like that guy. Right. <laughs> I ain't doing none of the work that the man wants me to do. Look, guys, I, I I got kicked out of school because I was too smart. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I was just a genius who was bored. Huh? Well, time to go steal some cars. I've got that disorder where I have a deficit in attention. You mean a de- attention deficit disorder? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, I love the dialogue in that movie. So Number 19, Adam. Uh, this one comes to us from Joe. Joe writes, Zemo killed five super soldiers in Siberia, smashed 11 vials of super soldier serum, and had his butler kill three more. Is Zemo the most successful villain in the MCU? Gotta respect that man's conviction. That's from Joe S. Yeah, Joe, pretty good. Joe, I gotta say, yeah, yeah, it's, it's either Thanos... Or it's Zemo. It's one or the other. Everybody else has kind of fell in super short. At and least was at least with uh, with Thanos, we reversed the snap. So I I guess you can yeah. count that as a fail. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I I like. I think this is tracking well. This is making. 
a, a new version of Zemo, but he's still got a certain spark of comic book Zemo. When you're, you know, after a while you're reading the comics and you wonder how in the world is he able to pull all this off? And he looks kind of silly until you take the big picture, just like Joe gave us here. Good call there, Joe. And His plans keep working. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sometimes it's like, it's like, uh, um, what Jeff Johns did with Aquaman. Sometimes it just takes like the right dude to come in and be like, "Oh, that's that's what this needed to be," kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and and maybe Zemo can be like, you know, stop being the the crappy guy that we all kind of know him with that fur <laughs> lining I, and everything, I, and become like a cool supervillain. I love it. I'd kind of like to see a retcon where they re-edit some flashbacks, and it was actually his butler that killed all the super soldiers, <laughs> not just those three at the end. And then when the vials smash, he snaps his finger, and his butler jumps out from behind a crate and starts stomping on him for him. I'd like the idea. It's like Kato and the Green Hornet, where the Green Hornet's biggest superpower was pointing at somebody and telling Kato to get him. And it's against his will. It's against Zemo's will. So he keeps doing this. It's like a it's like a Batman in reverse where like the yes. butler is doing everything and Batman's like, please stop, Alfred. No, no, don't kill all of these super soldiers. They They're very nice. I love it. I love it. We got the winning combination, the winning formula for the Zemo series, dude. 2023. I'm telling you Hulu. that that old man right now is rubbing his hands together, listening to this podcast going, these boys. He's not gonna be alive then. Well, CGI him. Didn't you see young Robert Downey Jr. in that movie? That is true. They could do anything. 20, Bruce. Are you angry the season ended without telling us whether or not Bucky hooked up with Sam's sister? To me, it's implied, but that's me. Yeah, not enough, a little wink in the gun would have helped. Uh, <laughs> really I'll, although he, he doesn't have a lot of closer energy to him, Bucky, you know? Yeah. Like, he, he, he doesn't have that. He did. He did in the first Captain America. He was a closer during the first Captain America. But see, I like the idea that Sam's sister is the closer in this scenario. Oh, that's also very good. Yeah, Bucky laid out the prospect, and she made it a reality. You that's know, he's good. an idea man. She's a problem solver. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I, the one bringing the thunder. I love it. I could, I could see her going after him too. Just be like, okay, I will tell you what, I'm gonna like, you know, conniving and everything. Just going, all right. Here's how I'm gonna mm-hmm. get this guy right here, and he's gonna <laughs> fall for it every time. Oh man, make it so awkward at Thanksgiving with her just making little comments like, you wouldn't believe what a man can do with a robot arm in the right situation. <laughs> yeah, and you know what that means? You know what that brings us to? That brings yeah. us to an Uncle Buck situation. <laughs> yes. Uh, 21, Sean. Is anyone in the MCU cooler than the characters of Sam and Bucky? It's pretty tough. I I can't think of a character who walks in, basically saunters in, and is just the baddest of the bad. Like, they have a way of when they enter, when they enter, like a, a, like a fight scene or something, they are the coolest looking characters in all of the MCU. I used to think that Captain America had that, and he does. But I, I think that this version of Captain America and Bucky are basically the coolest. Because you know what? This is what Jeremy Renner was going for and failed yeah. at. <laughs> yeah. I still I still think nobody takes command of a room like Tony Stark. So I'm always going to have a soft spot for Stark and Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean that's probably about as yeah. Like him and Cap are pretty much the only two that I would think could fall closely in this category. But with these two, especially together, I I don't even care if it's like at the end where they're just kind of you know walking back to the party and everything. It's just like 
you like these dudes and you you enjoy hanging out with them and I think that's what's made this show uh, just very successful is that you like both of these leads so much that you're just willing to go with them to anything and they're just you're right they're just cool. Twenty two. Uh, I'm combining questions here, but I think everybody's going to understand this one. Uh, this part comes to us from He Hulk. Uh, now we know Sharon Carter was the power broker. Did the events of the previous episodes make more or less sense? I'm confused. That's He Hulk from our Patreon group. Uh, follow that up with Chris B., who is on the same page as I am with this. Chris writes, Everyone is saying it was made clear that Carter was the power broker, but I'm not so sure. The only person who calls her that is Batrock, and he clearly doesn't know, and doesn't get confirmation before being shot. Carly only makes vague references to the power broker, never calling Carter that name. So is Carter the power broker or does she work for the power broker? Thanks, Chris B. I think that it's left ambiguous on purpose. I think that they, so they can have it either way. Mm -hmm. They can make Sharon the power broker if they have a really great idea or she can work for the power broker if they don't. I, I think she's the power broker. Yeah, it's just what I think. I, I don't have anything contextual to point out to prove it. That's just kind of how I feel, um, which might be exactly why she's not, but I, I think she is. So, let, I, I mean, with, I was thinking that before she was proclaimed the power broker. With that in mind, Bruce, who she if indeed she is the power broker, as we think she might be, who's she talking to at the end? I mean, just a she's wild She's talking guess. to her uh, regional manager in Madripoor. That's where all the money's made. It's just somebody back in Madripoor just going, hey, we're still, uh, we're still on the uh, menu. I don't know. 20. She's talking to Curtis Jackson, the power broker from the comics. <laughs> Not 50 Cent? One and the same, yeah. He okay. was in the comics. Cool. <laughs> 23. 23. Do you think Carly is really dead, or will she come back next season as the Winter Soldier 2.0? I think she did, but I think that there is a possibility she could come back as Winter Soldier 2.0. That's a, certainly an interesting idea. I like the Winter Soldier 2.0 kind of thought and everything. But, yeah, I mean, just as far as the character goes, I think her story's kind of done. I, I don't know how much else we can go, and I don't really necessarily want to reiterate what we've done with Winter Soldier stuff previously unless they put some, like, really cool spin on it or something. I, I, and I don't know that they'll do that. So I would say skip that and just move it on. Because I'll say the person who shot her was Sharon Carter, mm -hmm. who would, of course, be the handler for Winter Soldier 2.0 or whatever they would call Carly if she showed back up. And, you know, in the comics, Sharon Carter has uh, a history of fake killing people with, with special kind of bullets that make them appear to be dead when they're not. <laughs> That's so, a special bullet. You're not supposed yeah. to die. Well, what are you time doing? Traveling, it was a time-traveling bullet in the comics. I don't think oh, they're doing that. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, she's the one who killed Captain America in the comics when he died that one time. Mm -hmm. You never know. 24, Sean. I love Julia Louise Dreyfus, and because of it, I care about the character of Val, but I wouldn't otherwise. What do you think about that character? I have the same feeling. I think that uh, she does have that... You know who she is, and you care about her. You, you know, we've all known her for, what, almost 30 years, I guess, at this point. Uh, and she is. She's great. I love her in everything that she does. And I don't know that I care about the character of Val outside of that. That said, we also haven't seen whatever her role is in uh, Black Widow that we will later this year. So maybe if we had seen that previously and got a little bit more context to the character, perhaps. I don't know. 
I think in, you know, I haven't seen the role, but just knowing what I've seen here on this show, I think we're probably going to see Val in that movie in a very similar context where at the end, she's going to come and recruit the uh, Natasha, the, the not Natasha, but the uh, Florence Pugh character of mm-hmm. uh, Belina or something like that's her name. But anyway, she's probably going to recruit her to be like the replacement black widow. And I think she's going to put her little dark Avengers together. Okay. And I think she's going to be the, a big rival to what, uh, she's going to try to do her version of what Nick Fury did with the Avengers. And eventually I think she might actually meet Nick Fury face to face. And we'll find out a little bit about their history together. Oh yeah, man. Like if she showed up in like the, the secret wars thing with him, whenever that show goes on, that'd be a fun time. To give you an example of how long Julia Louise Dreyfus has been in the business. She was on the same cast that Eddie Murphy was on, on Saturday night live. Man. Man. Wasn't she a castmate of uh, Robert Downey Jr. on Saturday Night Live? No. Oh, man, that would have been cooler if she was. <laughs> <laughs> she is one of those people that, like, it's kind of unbelievable that, like, she's she comes for money but is just yep. so darn talented you just can't deny her. Yeah. Like, even if she was, like, even if she was dirt poor, she'd still be up at that same level because she's just, she delivers the goods in everything that she's in. So... Uh, it's it's amazing to see because a lot of times those money people they're usually not the greatest. Yeah, but of but I do think all you know her most recognizable characters have always carried that air that it's easier to have in your performance if you do come from money. A little bit of the arrogance of Elaine, the way Val performs here, even her character in that uh, Christmas movie with uh, Chevy Chase she was in. Uh, I I do think that it colors her performance a little bit where she comes from. I could mm. see that. I like that though. But yeah, and, it and works. she also in interviews denies she came from money. You know, her parents only had like ten, twenty million, not all that much. <laughs> but yeah, Elaine Bennis was came from money and everything. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not unfounded. Way to connect some dots there, Leslie. Twenty five, Adam. Uh, this one comes to us from our good friend, Ollie. Ollie has been a fan of, uh, of everything from the film find all the way back to the early days of that. He's a long time listener and supporter of everything that we do. Uh, Ollie writes in, and I love this one. When we replace a big character, we, do we always need a palate cleanser? John Walker helps us accept Sam as cap. Andrew Garfield to Tom Holland to George Lazenby to Roger Moore. Have we ever had a good replacement without having a palate cleanser? Maybe we might see the palate cleanser used by Marvel going forward. That's from Ollie. Uh, Woody on cheers. It's the, okay, sure. I think he was talking about more like a new, like Woody wasn't a new coach. He was a new character. Yeah. So he's talking literally like we've got a brand new Captain America, we've got a brand new Spider Man, we've got a brand new James Bond. Right. Like whoever. So I like this idea of the palate cleanser. Like, like you say, you know what? We know everybody's going to just absolutely hate whoever is Thor next. So let's go ahead and get Kevin James on the phone. Let's get it over with, (laughs) and then we'll get the real guy. Uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah, that was a good one without a palate cleanser. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know how everybody felt about Terrence Howard. I wasn't a fan of him as War Machine. I prefer Don Cheadle, but I know there are folks that are big Terrence Howard fans. No, so I like them both. Them. I thought they were both good in the role. But, but I, you know, immediately Don Cheadle shows up and you're like, oh, sweet, Don Cheadle's going to be that guy now. Great. 
Yeah, it's like when you when you replace an actor with like an even bigger and better actor, it's like all right, I guess we all win, <laughs> except except for you, Terrence Howard. But the rest of us all really won that thing because you know the man's fantastic in just about everything. Even like his his horrible English accent in in Ocean's Eleven movies, you still love him. You yeah. still love that guy. Yeah. Have you guys seen the uh, the appearance of Nathan from Nathan for You on Conan O'Brien? When he doesn't think he's going to do a good enough job, so he brings in a surprise guest, no. <laughs> no. a backup guest. What makes me think of that is something that you just said, Bruce, is that Nathan shows up on on Conan, and he is on purpose being boring. And he's like, <laughs> "Well, luckily, I brought in, I brought in a, a like a like an on deck circle guest." And Susan Sarandon comes out and she works for Nathan. <laughs> and Conan O'Brien is like, how did you get Susan Sarandon? <laughs> and he's like, I guess, I guess that I got a better booker than you. Um, and the, the best story along those lines I can recall is Jim Brewer was being interviewed. And he said that uh, Chris Farley was called in to be, you know, the guest host of SNL after his time on SNL had ended. But it was at the point where people knew his days were numbered. So they had Chris Rock just hanging out all week just in case uh, Chris Farley dropped dead. He would pop in as the guest host when they recorded or, you know, oh, Saturday night. Lord. And he said Chris Rock kept pointing at him and going, I think I might be needed. Oh, <laughs> no. Past oh, no. That was the worst, man. I remember, like, you know, I was on a break at work watching Entertainment Tonight, of all things. And they were, like, all, every, all of Chris Farley's friends were like, we're worried about him. And it wasn't, like, two months later. He was gone. I was just like, damn, y'all should have been watching Entertainment Tonight. Lisa did nothing? Nothing. She stood by idly. <laughs> That's why I no longer like the Gibbonses. Can't do it. 26. 26. Where does Bucky's story go from here? Well, you know, the good thing is, is that we don't know. We don't have any idea. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next with this character. Is he going to be someone who's basically, you know, sitting in the big chair? Who knows? And I love it. I was, I was happy. If you'll remember back a couple episodes, I kind of shot the moon hair and everything and said, I think there's a good chance that Bucky could die at the end uh, of this season. And while that was not something I was particularly rooting for, it's something that certainly could have happened. And I am much happier that he stays around than, than goes because mm -hmm. I like that actor. I like this character. Uh, I like the relationship that these two characters have together. And I want to see that going forward. And I think him dying really would have uh, just been almost too much of a bummer. We were like, yeah, you know, Sam's cap and everything, but Bucky's gone and like he's lost his buddy. Is he going to be mopey in the next movie? I don't need to see, uh, you know, Sam being mopey or nothing like that. Uh, and I, I love that we are such an open book from it from this point on. We don't know where anything's going. And in a land of comic book movie where so movies where so many times we can, you know, predict the future pretty reliably ahead of time. I like having, you know, an open road. 27. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's all right. I, I I was lost in the cadence of your voice. I do it to people all the time. That's how I used to talk my brother to sleep when we were kids. We shared the same room, and I would just start talking, and eventually he would fall asleep, and then I'd just be talking to myself. I'm like, all right, that was my tune to to, to go to sleep is after Mark stopped listening, and uh, <laughs> he was asleep. I was like, all right. Now well, that's I guess what I call a good go brother right there. Yeah, pretty much talk him to sleep every night. <laughs> does, your, does, does your brother sound like you like your dad does? No, no, not at all. Oh, wow, crazy. 
Yeah, I've met Mark once. He 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 uh, definitely you wouldn't guess they were brothers. I would say just based on their voices and mannerisms. Yeah, and, huh. and he looks more like my mom, and like I kind of look like a mixture of my mom and dad. But people will look at, at him and be like, "Oh my gosh, I can see it." I'm like, "No, you can't. We're both tall. We're both tall, big dudes." Is is it fair to say if you met the both of you, you'd be more likely to guess your brothers from South Carolina than you, Adam? What like he, he seems to have a little bit of the local accent in his voice. Oh, yeah, really him, him too. I mean, look, my, my mom was born in Albany, but his country is hell now. I don't understand how the world works. <laughs> 27. She said theater, and I, I about shit myself. I'm like, my, where are you from? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that isn't how people from Albany speak. I'm like, no. 27. <laughs> This ending is going to be hard to beat for future TV series. Are you going to use it as the benchmark for future Marvel TV like I am? It's pretty good. Uh, this this is tough to beat. Now, save for the couple things that we did talk about where it, it seemed like they had the, uh, the television wrap-up fever where it's like, boy, we got a lot of boxes to check. Let's check these bad boys real fast. Ah, you're good enough with those. See you. Credits. I, I feel like the ending was fine. I feel like it was a fine ending, but I'm not going to use it as a benchmark. Oh, you're not? Yeah. Uh, sometimes it just seemed like, uh, man, a little bit like 80s sitcom special, very special episode, like complex problems had simple solutions. It's true. You're, so, you're not wrong. So, yeah, I don't think I hold it as a benchmark. Like, I'm not going to complain about it at all. I think it fit. I'm happy with it. I enjoyed the the trip. I'm looking forward to another season if it happens. But, But, no, I wouldn't hold this as the benchmark. Yeah, I could I could see either I could see either way, but for me, well, compare okay, let's just compare the two things that we've had most recently. Uh better ending for you this or WandaVision, Bruce? Probably WandaVision. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch like, you know, both of them kind of close together, maybe, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like what kind of day are you having when you watch the episode? So yeah, yeah that's true. I think but more of your traditional wrap up, this seems uh, a bit more of kind of the traditional, still good I, and everything, but Wanda yeah, was more I, on a, an emotional level. And, and then Wanda also left me thinking like, wow, man, this is going to be something else as, as these repercussions play out. And here, I mean, yeah, I knew Sam was going to become cap. And he became Cap, and that's cool, and I'm glad, and I'm happy about it. It would have been a bummer ending if all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, we see, uh, once again, Star-Lord shows up, and he's the new Cap. That would have confused the heck out of me. <laughs> but, but like, WandaVision left me, left me ready to explore things, and this left me feeling like I, I feel like I know exactly where Bucky is, and I kind of feel like his story is done, which is a good way for an ending to be. But it, it, as far as the best ending, I think the best ending is going to have me just, like, like counting the days on the calendar till I get more of this. Mm -hmm. I and I, I like, if there's not a season two, I think this was, did a perfectly good job and they can carry out the story in the movies, but uh, it, it's an, oh, it's a fine ending. I, I'm, it's weird because I'm by not saying it's the best, suddenly people are going to say I'm saying it's the worst. I just no. don't think it's the benchmark. I think this is I like, think, I think that our listeners are a little more nuanced than your average internet guy. They yeah. are if they stuck with us this long. I know like some of the early <laughs> ones totally weren't. But anyway, no, not the benchmark. I think it's a fine ending, but I I am looking for something to really blow me away. Comparing this to WandaVision, I probably liked WandaVision a little bit better, uh, but still it didn't quite blow me away either. I'm still waiting for that ending that's going to blow me away to one of these shows. Maybe it'll right. be Loki. All right, question 28. Bruce, why do you hate the ending to Falcon and Winter Soldier so much? <laughs> 
Because they never let the rabbit become Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, not enough Mephisto references in this one. I'm a little bit peeved. <laughs> Actual question, 28, Adam, please. <laughs> 28 comes to us from Bo. Uh, Bo writes in, with this finale, we have a plethora of new story avenues to pursue. Sam is cap. Bucky is has atoned. The flag smashers are done. Walker is now U.S. agent. Sharon Carter is set for whatever shenanigans she has planned. And Bal has started putting the chess pieces in place. Of these stories, which are you looking most forward to seeing developed? That's Bo from Austin, Texas. I gotta say, I gotta say it's, 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 it's Samus cap. Well, yeah. And I think that rolls into Val. I think the Val Walker story is going to follow the same trajectory. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Sean. That's what I'm most interested in. Now, do you, do you think that they use, cause Val has some sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, control over us agent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are they going to kind of, is it, are we just going to get another, Another round of him and, and Sam fighting and everything? Surely it can't be as easy and simple as all of that. No, no, it's not going to be that at all. It's going to be a little more complex. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of people seeing U.S. agent as a different kind of good guy they can get behind. We're going to get suddenly we're going to have like uh, the NBC heroes and the ABC heroes. You know what I mean? Like suddenly I, I see a little competitiveness coming out. And some folks trying to make people understand, like, whoa, you got to look at, at what the core difference is here. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as much as I, I, I like, you know, new new Cap, as it were, and we'll eventually start just calling him Captain America. It's it's going to take a while to transition into that. But uh, I, th- I think we have, at least from a very, you know, painting with broad strokes kind of thing, know where he's going, more or less. Bucky, I think, is the most up-in-the-air character of all of these. So I, I really wonder, you know, what's in store for him. That's that's the one I got scratching yeah, my head going. I, I feel like his story's finished. I, I I'm with you on that too. Because it, it can be. They can stop it here, and if we never see Bucky again, that's okay. It's not yeah. super great, but you know, if they ended it there, it could have been a lot, a hell of a lot worse. At least with this, we got a good ending with that. But where he goes from here, boy, that seems like a really big question mark. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see him retire from everything and just go off to take care of uh, Steve Rogers in his final days. On the moon. Yeah, on the moon, of course. That'd be cute. With Howard the Duck. (laughs) 29. This episode ends with a new title. It says Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Does that mean if there is a season two, it'll be called that, and then we'll get a bunch of well actuallys telling us it's not season two, but a new season one? Furthermore, why didn't they say Captain America and Bucky? Because Bucky quit being the Winter Soldier. His his character arc to not be someone was just as significant as Sam's to be someone. Because the Winter Soldier is a way cooler name than Bucky. Nobody's going to be like, I just got my ass kicked by Bucky. Like, that's no good. <laughs> Stand back, kids. Bucky's in town. What did you say? I, we have children around here. You can't talk like that. <laughs> But, oh man! Yeah, it's it's got it. Yeah, Winter Soldier is just better. And but if they do do a second one, I I like calling it Captain America and the Winter Soldier, on account of we need to get used to just calling him Captain America. Yeah, and, and know who that's what we're who that's who that's who we're talking about. I can't come up with words today. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> they need to give Bucky a new name like Iron Grip, Captain America, and Iron Grip. <laughs> 
shiny no. arm. No, he's got the best. He's got the best name. Winter Soldier is such a great store. Captain America and Fist Store. But he man, could, <laughs> but he could use that. Like he could use that Winter Soldier thing. Like the uh, like like in John Wick, the uh, you know he, he's the boogeyman kind of thing. Maybe that's his. Best Do you guys know if Brew Baker is really upset over the fact that they're they're using Winter Soldier to sell all of this stuff? I, he 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 did make a public statement, but it wasn't so much upset. It's just like, yes, there are the contracts. It's work for hire, but I just want you to remember, it wasn't work for hire for Disney. It was for Marvel, and I had right. no idea that they'd ever be bought by Disney. And it was more like a cautionary tale, like in future contracts, you need to have a clause that if your company gets acquired by a, a large mega corporation, that you get to renegotiate. Yeah, I think there's uh we're in a weird land of contract negotiations in the future of stuff and like you said with conglomerates and online and stuff. All of that stuff is going to get more and more complicated and there's going to be more and more people who get screwed for ancillary rights and a whole bunch of other little tiny things and ultimately it is to maintain that these, you know, big giant companies yeah. continue to get money in their pocket as opposed to sharing a little bit of the wealth uh, with the people that are creatively behind it. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know when <laughs> when somebody he created Prez, they didn't think it would be owned by AT&T someday, you know? That's, <laughs> they might have put a little more effort into it if they knew it was going to AT&T. I want some of that AT&T money. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's something uh, like because startup companies have really thought about that uh, over the last couple of years. The majority of startup companies, like tech startup companies, start up almost to with the idea of we're going to be bought out by one of the big boys. So, yeah. you know, maybe some artists need to come in with the with a thought and idea of like, hey, you know, this might be picked up by a Disney or something one day. I need to make sure all my, you know, T's and I's. Yeah. Let's wrap this season up with question 30. Uh, when I talked to my daughters, the one show that they've been looking most forward to was not WandaVision, was not Falcon and Winter Soldier. It was Loki. Are you looking forward to Loki? Man, the, the guy's charismatic. So it's one of those that I feel like even if the story is mediocre, it's still going to be enjoyable if Hiddleston brings this classic Loki performance. Yeah, I'm a big Hiddleston fan, not only in the Loki roles, but other roles and stuff that he's done. I think he's a very talented guy. I think what he brings to this Loki, I could not have imagined would have been done as well as it has been done over these years. Um, and if this is his last run at Loki or something, which it very well might be, uh, I want to see him do it up. I want to see him do it big. And I know next to nothing about the series, which again is, uh, got me excited. Uh, like sure. I'm already, I'm already sold like Loki and Hiddleston. All right, I'm in. Where do you want me to sign up? And with uh, like Owen Wilson coming in, playing like a, a slight, what seems at least from the quick little bits that I've seen, slightly different type of character than maybe we're used to seeing Owen Wilson as. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for something. And, and again, the idea, at least from what tiny bits that I've seen, it feels like this is going to rely a good bit more on some comedy elements and stuff, or at least have you know some laughs and stuff in it. Not to say that these last two things haven't had some of that in there, but it certainly wasn't you know their mo for the most part. What's what's the over under you think on uh, hearing hearing him go wow, and then there's like some sort of like you know like they flip that on itself because they know who they have. You know, Marvel's really 
quite I'd good s- at that kind of thing. I'd say four is the over under on that. I th- wow. I'll take the under on that one because I, I my initial my initial thought was maybe three. Because I don't know. At some point, that's a good question though. You're Owen Wilson. You're known for what you're known for. Do you do you lean into that or do you pump the brakes a little bit? Especially if you're playing a, a type of character that is maybe different from the other types of characters that you've been playing. We'll find out. I don't know, but that's what's fun. We get to we get to wait and we get to find out. We're gonna have a little bit of a some time to wait between now and then. But we did do it again. We got another Marvel show in the books. What's that future hold? Stay tuned for that. Bruce, where can we find more of your stuff on the internet? Hey, people can always find me on YouTube. I've got a video up reviewing the re- the recent release of the Demon Slayer movie, the anime film that uh, I actually found myself enjoying quite a bit. So go check out the little 15-minute interview there. I also have a list of the top 10 cowboys in comics that went up last week, and I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I don't think people are all that interested in cowboys and comics. So if you listening are interested in it, help a fella out and go watch that video. Yeah. Sean, what else? Uh, you can find a lot of our work at the Hero Movie Podcast, where we review superhero movies and comic book movies and nerd movies over at the Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, we are this week reviewing the newest Mortal Kombat movie. Good stuff. Go check that out. And uh, check out the film Find, where I talk about all things movies. Check it out. I'd love it if you gave it a listen. Uh, like we said, this is indeed our last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're asking yourself right now, well, what now? Where will I go for more Marvel 30 Questions Entertainment? Well, don't you worry, baby bird. We got you. Uh, so you just keep subscribed to this podcast and come mid-June, you'll see this show rebranded as Loki 30 Questions. That's right. From WandaVision to Falcon and Winter Soldier to Loki, the more Marvel shows we get on Disney+, Plus, the more that we'll continue to chug along. And we hope that you all get aboard as we traverse the Marvel TV landscape in our uh, podcast made of pure gold. So join us in June. For Loki, uh, for Loki, 30 questions for Sweet Sean Kovacs from the internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Fortress. Keep chugging! Falcon Punch! Loki.